Heavenly Father, we are gathered here in this place with grateful hearts for all that you have done for us. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the resurrection. We thank you that in you we have the forgiveness of sins and the promise of everlasting life. All because of what you have accomplished for us. This is the good news that we are here to receive once again. But Lord, help us to not hear a good message and have a bad response. Help us, Heavenly Father, to receive your word with humility. When your word comes to convict us, I pray that we would respond in repentance. When your word promises us your grace, your love, your mercy, pray that we would receive that and rest in it. So let us be a congregation that hears your word, lives your word, obeys your word, and rests in the promises of your word. You can only do this through the Holy Spirit. So I pray for those who are gathered here today. Lord, I, I don't know the burdens that people carry and the, the things that are heavy on the hearts of your people today. But you know, you know every name, you know every situation, you know every struggle every battle, every temptation. And you love us and you invite us to come and to rest in you and to learn from you and to have your will uh, realized within our lives. So we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm Pastor Adam. I welcome you here this morning in uh, the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is so good to see you. Uh, today, our sermon text comes from Matthew, the 11th chapter, beginning with the 16th verse. Here Jesus is speaking. Listen to the words of our Lord. To what can I compare this generation? Uh, sometimes I wonder that too. To what can we compare this generation? Uh, they are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others, we played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. Sometimes that's what it's like being a, a preacher. You, you, you preach a message, a good message, and there's a bad response or an inappropriate response or the wrong response to it. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John, that's John the Baptist, he came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, He's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. The proper response to hearing God's word is that we would be humbled and that we would repent before God. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. 
But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and to those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who were weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Praise to you, O Christ. So today's sermon is titled, A Bad Response to a Good Message. This was the case in Jesus' day, when John the Baptist preached. Many people responded inappropriately. Uh, Many people did respond appropriately. They received the the baptism of John. They repented of their sins. But many, they, they said, you know, John the Baptist, he's a heretic. So John the Baptist, he preached a good message. But ultimately, what happened to John the Baptist? Anybody remember? What did they do to John the Baptist? Off with his head. Jesus preached a good message. Many received it. They responded correctly to the preaching of Jesus. But what did they end up ultimately doing to Jesus? First Good Friday, you heard shouts of crucify him. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Isaiah struggled with this too. All the prophets of the Old Testament struggled with this. I love studying the prophets of the Old Testament, but Isaiah 5, 20. This is the generation that we're living in. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Have you noticed that lately? Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. The preacher plays a happy song, and the people refuse to dance. The preacher sings a sad dirge, and what do the people do? They get up, and they dance. A bad response to a good message, calling evil good and good evil. No sadness or or contrition. No, that that word contrition, that's an old church word. Contrition just means brokenness, feeling broken over your sinfulness. No brokenness over the preaching of the law. And, And no rejoicing over the preaching of the good news of the gospel. That through faith in Jesus, your sins are forgiven. And you have the gift of everlasting life. There are examples of this in our culture. In our culture, uh, people choose immoral lifestyles and people rejoice in that. They they choose sinful ways of living and, and there are actually parades in our streets celebrating 
sin. When, when we ought to mourn as a society, we rejoice. And then when the cross of Jesus, the message of his resurrection, is preached, the world and the world is called to repentance. When the gospel is preached, they say this kind of message is oppressive. This, this kind of message is outdated. When it's the very message that brings liberty and rest to the soul. It's the only message that can liberate a world that is oppressed by sin. When you hear the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and you repent of your sin, and when you trust in Jesus, you are set free. You are set free. You are free in Jesus today. You're free to be the person who God originally created you to be. But instead, we rejoice at evil, and we mourn over good. And we end up only further binding ourselves in chains. And we shouldn't be surprised when people reject our message. We shouldn't be surprised that when it's time to mourn, when sin is revealed, there is no reaction or the reaction is rejoicing. And when it's time to rejoice because of the liberty of the gospel, there's no reaction or the reaction is the complete opposite of what the message is calling for. That's because we're sinful people, right? And sin has caused us to see reality in a very skewed way, in a real messed up and warped way. That's what sin does. So we actually are a people walking in darkness apart from Christ, so we end up calling that which is evil good and that which is good evil. It's because the Holy Spirit hasn't entered in and enlightened our hearts, opened our eyes to see. And so we are a people who have the, hear a good message and we have a bad reaction. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, or put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So what do we do in response to all of this? Now here's the thing, the thing we live in a world that we're, we're going to preach a message and the, and the world isn't going to like it. They're, 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 if you read uh, this, the context of this passage in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is saying uh, over and over again that it's going to be difficult for us as disciples. That preaching the message of the gospel, people are going to hate us. They're going to persecute us. It's not an easy road to live faithfully before God's Word. So what do we do in response to all of this? Do we stop preaching? Or, or do we cloister ourselves into a holy huddle, isolated from the dangers of our wicked world? Many good Christians who rejoice at good biblical preaching are like turtles. It's the turtle syndrome of, of the church. They don't want to stick their necks out, out for the sake of the message of the gospel. So many Christians do not want to stick their necks out for the very message that will bring liberty to those who are held in the bondage of sin. 
If you're a disciple of Jesus, you've got to stick your neck out. Don't be like a turtle and recoil at the first sign of hatred and rejection from this world. We're a people who are called to live with boldness because of who Jesus is and because of what Jesus has done. And we are empowered now by the Holy Spirit, enlightened with his gifts, so that we can go into this hostile world as his disciples. So practically, what does this mean? Well, I have three words for you today. You can write these down. How do we live in this world today? Well, number one is pray. Number two is love. And then number three is speak. So pray. Love. And speak. So number one, pray. In Acts chapter 3, Jesus, through the ministry of Peter and John, healed a man who couldn't walk. This man was laid at the gate called Beautiful. Day after day after day, and people would pass by him, and, and they would have pity upon him, and they would give him coins. He could only make his, his living by begging. And every day he was laid at this gate because he couldn't walk there himself. He had no ability to make a living other than to beg from the people. And through the ministry of Peter and John, Jesus healed this man who couldn't walk. How many of you remember what Peter said to the man laid at the gate called Beautiful? Said what? Silver and gold? Have I none? Peter and John, they didn't have money to give, but they said, what we have we give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And he walked. He praised the Lord publicly. And the people were amazed that the man who couldn't walk was healed. They knew he was uh, he, was, he was a lame man, that he was uh, paralyzed or that he didn't have use of his legs. They knew there was no trickery involved. This isn't like the TV preacher. How many of you ever seen Leap of Faith? <laughs> the trickery involved? This wasn't like that. Everyone knew he couldn't walk. And when they see him up and rejoicing on his feet... They were amazed. And then this gave Peter and John an opportunity to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. P Peter preached a bold sermon. Peter preached a message of repentance. It's not a, a message that our world wants to hear today. Peter in boldness preached a message of repentance. He called the people to repent and to believe in Jesus. But not everyone was happy with their message. Let's go ahead and look at Acts chapter 4, verse 1. Oh, here we have somebody. So it's always the religious leader. It's always the person who ought to know what's right. 
Uh, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So in verse 3, they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard, not, not everybody rejects, this is why we stick our necks out there for these people, but many who heard the message believed, so that the number of men, not including women and children, who believed grew to about 5,000. So the church is, is growing. The only reason the church is growing is these men and women in the early church were willing to stick their necks out and testify to the reality of Jesus. So the next day when Peter and John appeared before the authorities, uh, they ended up threatening them. And these authorities, uh, the, the priests, the captain of the temple guard, the Sadducees, they said, you need to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. You've got to cut this out. And if you don't, you're going to be hurting. They threatened to beat them. So after threatening Peter and John, the authorities released them from custody. Then we look at verse 23, Acts chapter 4, 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, what did they do? They raised their voices together and what? Prayer to God. How do we live in a world that is hostile to the message of Jesus Christ? Number one is we pray. The early church prayed. They didn't recoil and hide. They prayed. Then we go to verse 29. This is what they, part of what they prayed. Now, Lord, consider their threats. And enable your servants to speak your word with what? With great boldness. boldness. They realized the only way they were going to be able to preach with boldness is if the Holy Spirit entered into their hearts in a powerful way and enabled them to preach. Verse 30, stretch out your hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they are all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they do? Spoke the word of God boldly. So number one is, is in response to this world that does not want to receive the message of Christ and of his word, is that we pray. We pray for boldness. We pray for the Holy Spirit. Then number two... I put live and then I switched it this morning to love. I think love is good. To love like Jesus. I guess if you live like Jesus, you're going to love like Jesus, right? So number one is to pray. Number two is to love. To love like Jesus. To live like Jesus in love. And Jesus, he, he lived publicly. He made friends. He shared dinner with sinful people. Uh, he didn't hide from this wicked world. He came rather to liberate people from their bondage to sin and judgment. 
Jesus didn't come to look down on people. He came to lift people up. He didn't reject sinners. He received sinners. Jesus was not repulsed by sinners. He was moved with compassion for sinners. And I'm so grateful for that because I am a big fat sinner. You guys can agree with that, right? (laughs) He loves you. He's crazy about you. And uh, he desperately wants you to know his love today. To receive that love and to live in that love. And then for you to live or to love like Jesus. And we, and we see through the Gospels that not everyone rejected Jesus. Amen. Many hungered. Many were ready to receive Jesus as Savior. The same is true today. Many people within this community, sure, they, they uh, may rejoice at that which is sinful and wicked. They may desire to, uh, to stop our message when we proclaim the message of Christ, of him crucified and resurrected for us. They may, when, when there are things happening within our community that they ought to mourn at, they may rejoice. But not everyone rejects Jesus. Many hunger for Christ. And they're ready to receive Christ as Savior. So we, we, uh, we pray, we love like Jesus, and then we speak. We speak the good news of the gospel. And this is such good news that we cannot help but speak. And to share and to tell others. So we look for opportunities to be equipped in sharing the gospel. And I am so grateful for our elder board working on a plan to equip us here at Maple Park Church to live like Jesus and to speak the good news of the gospel. So pray, pray for myself, pray for the elders as we look forward to this coming year and how we would come up with a plan or a strategy for us to be equipped and ready to speak. Many of us do not speak because maybe we've never been trained in how to present the gospel to others. Or maybe we're, we're afraid that if we talk with our unbelieving friends about Jesus that we won't know what to say or Or they may have questions we're unable to answer. But I'm hoping that uh, as an elder board, and I know as an elder board, that we're going to do what we can to equip you to know how to present the gospel and how to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So be praying for our elder board that uh, as they are shepherding our church, they've been tasked with shepherding our church with the oversight of our church Uh, that they'd be given wisdom in this. You see, a church that doesn't go and make disciples, a church really that, that, that ignores what Jesus said about speaking the good news by going, making disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, a church that doesn't go and make disciples, it, it won't survive. It won't thrive and it it cannot continue. And 
But why should it survive if it will not do what Jesus said the church should do? Why should a church that refuses to follow Jesus continue? It's just very basic. Jesus said this is the mission. We follow in his footsteps. So pray. Love. And speak. Don't be afraid to speak about Jesus. To tell others about Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty five and 30. At that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father... Lord of, uh, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Jesus says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except for the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And, uh, Jesus, it's his desire to bring people from our community into a right relationship so that they know God, so that they know Christ as Savior. And he chooses to use us to reveal the Son to our community. This community cannot know Jesus unless we go as disciples with the good news of the gospel. Then verse 28, here's the great promise for you today. I don't know what you're going through today. This is what Jesus says. He says, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. He says, and I will give you rest. Oh, man. How often do you feel a need for rest? I'm not just talking about a nap. Naps are great, right? At Bible camp, I was the director of of our Bible camp this past year. And nobody ever told me that uh, being the director was going to be a, a, a think, something that would sap your energy. Um, it, they were good. It was a good group of people. Just an amazing team was put together for Bible camp. Well, then I got to, to a point on Saturday, and I was like, I need to take a nap. <laughs> and I took a nap, and I woke up, and I said, I think I'm ready to go for another four days of camp after that nap. A nap can refresh you, but, but sometimes you get tired. And, and a nap doesn't do it. Because there is a, a deeper fatigue. Spiritual fatigue. And uh, if, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. And there is only one way for that fatigue to be cured, and that is through the good news of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you. So he says, Come to me, all you who were weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And that rest is for today, and that rest continues for eternity. He says, Take my yoke upon you. A yoke is something that they would put on a, a pair of oxen. Uh, it was like a wooden thing that would bind the oxen together. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. It says, let my authority be over your life. Let my way be your way. Let me guide and direct and steer your life. Is Christ steering your life today? Or do you lean upon your own understanding? 
He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For this is what he says, I'm gentle and humble in heart. And it says, and you will find rest for your souls. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I'm so grateful that today Jesus has revealed himself to you. You know who your heavenly father is. You know Jesus is your savior. And when you hear a good message, your response is good. You are not those who refuse to mourn over sin and to, re- and, and, and to rejoice in grace. When, when you hear the, the, the law, you, you are broken. You are contrite. You're repentant. When you hear the good news of the gospel, you rejoice that your sins are forgiven. That you've been liberated from sin, from death, and from hell. You're not those who have made evil good and good evil. You have heard the message of God's word. You have received the message in repentance and in faith. And you've received the message of God's word because the power of the Holy Spirit has caused you to see evil as evil and good as good. He's caused you to mourn over sin and to rejoice in your salvation. So thanks be to God. He's at work. He's at work in you today. And so the call of the Gospel is that you are welcome to bring to Jesus your burdens. Are you carrying a burden today? Is there something that lays heavy upon your heart? A circumstance, a situation, something that that is completely beyond your, your ability, your capacity to deal with? Jesus invites you. He says, come to me. There's no need for you to carry that burden. That burden of guilt over past sin. The burden of that circumstance that you're walking through today. The burden of of failing health. The burden of struggles within your family. I mean, we could go on and on and on about the difficulties that are common to all people. There is no need for you to carry that burden. Jesus says, come to me. Lay your burden down before him. Take his yoke upon yourself. Let him steer and direct and guide your life. I don't know if you've heard it lately, probably said it in the sermon because I love to say, say this, but Jesus loves you. He really does. Uh, and he invites you to bring that thing to him. You don't need to carry it anymore. So we invite you to come in prayer today. And that this church has a place of prayer, a place of healing for people. And, and to be quite honest, I don't, I don't know how it all works. 
But Jesus has made a promise. And we have seen him work time and time and time and time again. Can't explain it. How there's, there's this unseen reality, and that unseen reality is Jesus working in the power of his Spirit. We know that he is present here, and Jesus invites you to come with your burdens and to find rest in him. To come to him. To learn from him. To be guided by him. And to know how good and precious the gospel is. To come and to find in him rest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today in prayer. Lord, knowing that prayer is a gift from you, it's this great invitation that you've given to us uh, so that we don't have to carry the burdens of this world um, in our own strength and our own ability. So, Lord, we come before you today collectively as a church, and we bring everything to your feet. And we say, Heavenly Father, have your way. Thy will be done. But, Lord, no matter what, what the outcome may be, because, Lord, we don't know what your ultimate plan is, your ultimate purpose is in our lives for us and for our world. But, Lord, we just lay it before you. And we trust that you are a good and a gracious God. And you promise to guide us and to direct us through the difficulties of this life. Not in our own wisdom, but in the wisdom of your Spirit. And as you guide us and as you direct us, you cause us to see evil as evil and good as good. But more than that, in a very powerful way, you're with us to give us rest. And Lord, Lord, we, we don't find rest in the wisdom of this world, which reverses everything, warps everything, messes everything up. It only brings more bondage and greater fatigue of the spirit. So help us, Heavenly Father. We need you, and we invite you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.